I got a message this morning that the Lord's been showing me little bits and pieces for two weeks. Uh, been kind of putting this together and thinking, is this where I'm going? Is this where I'm going? It's like, yes, 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 and yes. But as it got closer and closer, there was more and more and more warfare to go through to get to this word this morning. Like, oh my goodness, what a, some crazy, crazy struggles. And even this morning, I was just standing up, walking around the house, just clapping my hands, saying, thank you, Jesus, for all of the trials, all of the junk, the tests that I get to pass to be able to get up here and bring this message this morning. Like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> thank you, Lord. It's like, wow. Those whom he loves, he chastens, but he's constantly training us. And if we're paying attention, we're being trained up for something. And when we get another little test, I mean, I had a test this morning, something. You know, one of the things I'm going to be talking about this morning is like rising above. This is something that I preach a lot and that's rising above your thoughts, feelings, and emotions to be led by the Spirit of God. Well, somebody called me at quarter to seven this morning when I'm right smack in the middle of it with something that was so emotional and so frustrating that I could not believe it. It's like, are you kidding me? I have this phone call to deal with at 6.45 this morning. Unbelievable. That it's a great distraction. And it's like, then I had to realize I was disgusted, I was irritated, I was frustrated. And then I realized, oh, it's time for you to practice what you preach here, cowboy. <laughs> it's like, oh, whoa, this little test, Lord, okay, thank you so much for, for this this morning. Uh, getting our mindset corrected, walking in the Spirit, finding ourselves seated with Him in heavenly places so we can receive what He has, not get caught up in all of the junk. You with me? He gave me, a, uh, <laughs> reminded me of something that happened when I was probably, well, I know the school that I was going to, so I was somewhere between like third and fourth grade. I remember standing in line at Van Buren School. How many know where Van Buren, the old Van Buren School? A small handful. <laughs> Things have changed a lot in Caldwell since I was in the fourth grade. Third, fourth. But I remember coming in from recess, standing in a line, ready to go inside. The teachers out there, you know, that directing traffic, and it was kind of like Miss Lori's class. Everybody had to stand in line to be ready to go into the building. She does an incredible job here. Standing in line, and I was looking, kind of doing a little daydream thing. I was looking at the roof, the corner wall, and, and where the roof comes, the corner up there, and I was just looking at that and going, and I saw the clouds above that, and the clouds, I saw them moving across the, kind of like a, over the corner of the building, it's like, oh my goodness, I am witnessing a phenomenon that we've been studying in school. I am seeing the rotation of the earth. That's what I thought. We've been taught in school in the third and fourth grade, somewhere there, probably science class, 
that the earth is actually spinning. So I'm standing there looking up. Well, I've been taught that the earth turns. Look at those clouds. From my perspective, the heavenlies were something that were, were fixed, was stationary, was stable, foundational, and the earth was turning. It's like, huh. I was pretty excited to share that with my teacher. Look, look, look what I'm seeing. You know that the earth spins? Watch it spin. She says, I used to go by Roy all through school because in the first grade there was another girl named Lynn and I was not about to be called the same thing as another girl. It's like, so she, no, Roy, that is not the rotation of the earth. The earth is what is stable here, it's foundational. The wind is blowing those clouds and it's like, Oh no, I had a revelation and I wanted to share that, but now you've taught me something. Okay, so the teaching that I received and my application of that teaching in what I was looking at was just a little bit skewed from what I was, was taught. But then the Word says to us, unless we enter the kingdom as a small child... We're not going to end up receiving what the kingdom has for us, right? Everybody knows that. It's like, it's like, and, and I'm asking, it's like, why did you remind me of this thing that happened when I was in the third or fourth grade? He said, because that is the revelation that you need to live from. And it's like, what? What? What does that mean? It's like, no. The kingdom of heaven is where the foundation is. And if you're living from the foundation of the kingdom of heaven, you're then looking down on the earth as something that's moving and changing. But what is stable, affirmed, and confirmed is the kingdom of heaven. It's like, okay, that makes sense. Like, as a child, believing, looking up there, it's like, wow, I'm watching the earth turn. I'm watching the earth turn. In reality, when we're looking from a heavenly perspective down on earth, that's exactly what we're doing. Does this make sense to anybody? It's like, no. Thank you, Lord. This morning, the title of my message is... Yeah, you're, you're going to probably ask right off the bat, well, what does that have to do with the title of your message? But um, the title of my message is Discerning of Spirits. Discerning of Spirits. How many know that that's one of the gifts, one of the spiritual gifts that it talks about in 12th chapter there? It's like it starts listing all of those gifts, and then it says Discerning of Spirits. So how many people here have the gift of discerning of spirits? Feel strongly that that's your gift, discerning of spirits. Once more, one more time. I'd like to actually see the... Praise God. You know how important that is? That we have people within the body that feel like that is a strong gift of theirs? It's like, I'm going to read you some scriptures why this really is important to us. That, that, that we have discernment, discerning of spirits... 
alive and well and operating in this body. Uh, not a long time ago, but probably been a couple years ago, there was a lady that was a part of our church for a, a really several years, and she ended up moving to Washington, and she ended up sending me a, a long email, Pastor Lynn, I was in worship, and rarely does something like this happen to me in worship because I'm so focused in worship, but I had a vision. And it was a vision of Valley Church, and I was like, whoa, a vision of Valley while you're in worship in Washington. And she said, yeah, and been there for a few years. It's like, well, so she texted me the details, and she said, God's bringing people into the congregation like-minded people into the congregation that are going to be powerful or are going to be used, but he's also got angels assigned to be re quietly removing some of the people from the congregation. It's like, because instead of creating a big stir and, and a big problem, there are people in the congregation that need to be removed for God to be able to do what he's planning to do at Valley Church. And it's just like, whoa. And she, and she further went on to say that it's going to be done just quietly. They're going to be quietly ushered out. And I was like, sometimes we can turn and look around and say, well, who's missing? Uh, so, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Sometimes it's an oh, wow, oh, my experience. But we've experienced that. And uh, possibly we will continue to, to experience that. You know, God's, uh, and I don't even have that scripture because I wasn't planning on this right off the bat, but there's a scripture that said there are six things, no seven things that God hates. And that's one that causes one of those things is one that causes division among the brethren, among the believers. And when, there's some, when God's doing something very, very special, and someone comes in like that, and God hates that, and he's assigned angels to quietly take care of that. Like, how amazing is that? Everybody say, that's amazing. And you think I'm a little bit crazy for preaching this, don't you? No? No? Okay. All right. Good. Well, good. Because it's... it's Going with the flow here, flowing with the Spirit. I did not have this in my notes, but felt like it was something that needed to be, needed to be spoken. So there you have it. It's out on the table. Okay, we're going to go... I'm going to start reading some Scripture now. We're going to go to, well, Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How are we going to prove what's the perfect will of God? By the renewing of our minds. By the renewing of our minds. Don't be conformed to the patterns, to the standards, depending on which translation. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, transformed by the renewing of your mind. A transformational power of the renewing of your mind which comes through and by the Spirit of God. Right? Yes, 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 and yes. Well, who establishes the patterns of the world? We've gone over this before. We'll go over it again, and probably again and again. But who establishes the pattern? John 14, 30, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, so John 14, 30, I will no longer talk much with you, 
for the, for the, the what? Of this world is coming. So the ruler of the world, the one who establishes and sets the standards and patterns for the world then? Jesus said it, right? So who is that? You know, I've heard, I, I've heard people say before, when the temptation of Christ, when we read about the three, you know, the temptations of Christ, and where Satan said to him, come and worship me and I will give you this expanse, this crazy, amazing, worldly stuff. You remember that temptation? And I've heard teaching before saying he had no authority to do that. He was trying to lie. He was trying to trick Jesus. But right there, what does that say? The ruler of this world is coming. So did Satan have the ability or the authority to offer to Jesus, if he would bow down and worship him, certainly appears that way as we follow the, the scripture. So, the ruler of the world. <clears throat> I don't like that. But, Jesus came, conquered, held death in the grave, and everything that was created was created through him, and he was given authority over everything. So, our authority... Jesus Christ, through his authority, his mighty power working in us, gives us authority over the, his head our heel, his head our heel, but only through the authority in and from and through Jesus Christ. Correct. Do we have authority? Over what? The ruler of the world. The ruler of the world. We have authority through Jesus Christ in submission to him over the ruler of the world. Now, <clears throat> I have a question that I've asked some of the staff last week as, I, as these thoughts were rumbling through my head. As, well, I shouldn't say that. Yeah, I was processing them through my head, first my spirit, then through my head to try and get it down on paper. And it's, I, I asked Pastor Tim, I've asked Pastor Christie, I think I asked Pastor Matthew, I'm not just exactly sure whom all I asked, but I asked enough people for an answer that none of them had the same answer as me. But, what is the difference, I will ask you, what is the difference between someone who's tormented or demonized or a wolf in, and a wolf in sheep's clothing? Anybody feel brave? The difference between someone who's tormented, demonized, and a wolf in sheep's clothing. Both are referenced. We're going to read some scriptures here just in a couple minutes. No takers? Nobody wants to even take a wild guess here? All right. What, Marty? And you think that's right? So do I. But I broke it down to one word. If you were going to choose one word, what would that word be? 
Can't hear you. Intention? Yes, intention, but I, I have a partnership. Partnership. Who do you partner with? You know, the, it's like choose this day whom you will serve. So who are you going to partner with? It's like we have two choices. There's a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. Are you going to partner with the kingdom of darkness? Or are you going to partner with the kingdom of light? That's where discerning of spirits comes in. It's like how valuable and how important as we ascertain, as we determine, as the probably 20 people or so that raise their hand feeling strongly that they have a gift of discerning of spirits as... I need, to like, I need to get these names down, get these names down so we can like run some things through. I got several phone calls a couple weeks ago, a week or week, a couple weeks ago, questioning. It's like, hey, there's somebody that's da, 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 da. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? It's like, well, you have Holy Spirit in you. Uh, and Holy Spirit in you will guide you, direct you, lead you into all truth. But there are people with gifts of discerning of spirits, that it's really important. I, I preached two or three weeks ago about submitting to one another in reverence to the Lord, that in our reverence to the Lord, we submit to the gifts of those that we know have a very specific or special gift. Right? You remember that? Want me to start over on that? Somebody, nobody remembers? Okay, that, that, that it's really important that we as the body of Christ, as the church that Jesus established, will submit to one another's spiritual gifts when somebody has. Because when we really listen to them and what they say, what they speak to us into what their discerning, their discernment is, it's like it should really resonate with our spirit. Scripture said that Jesus is absolutely not the author of confusion. Anything that brings confusion is probably not of God. Jesus is the author of peace, peace, peace. The enemy is the author of confusion. Anything that brings confusion is probably not of God. Um... Man, I just took off. I am so far off track now. <laughs> Everybody pray for me here. <laughs> uh, okay, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 7, 15 through 27. I think I'm going to... I am, by the way, reading from New King James, studying from New King James for this. Um, Matthew 7, beginning with verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. Inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. Let's say that together. You'll know them by their fruits. <laughs> Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree can't bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that doesn't bear good fruit gets cut down and thrown into the fire. 
Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. I'd like to break right here. We're going to read about seven more, seven more verses, but let's go to Galatians 5, 22 through 26. Galatians 5, and... But the fruit of the Spirit, you will know them by their fruits. What are those fruits? The fruits of the Spirit is love. Do you experience love in the presence of these people? Do you experience joy? Do they ooze love and joy and peace? Are they extremely patient? Are they kind? Are they just really good? Does goodness ooze from their poor, from their words? What's the next word? Faithfulness. I am going to have to fill that prescription. Glasses, glasses, glasses. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which is patience, which is kindness, which is goodness, and, and faithfulness. And then the next one? Gentleness. Gentle, gentle. And then self-control. We don't see anger, we don't see frustration, we don't see somebody walking around stomping, slamming their fists because they're even angry at the devil. It's like, no, 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 gentle self-control. Against such there is no law. Praise God. We have a list right there that we can just check off. It's like, okay, what do we see? What do we see in that person? What are the fruits being produced? It's like, wow, huh. Fail, 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 pass, pass, pass. Okay, back to, you'll know them by their fruits. Now, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many wonders, signs and wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It's like you read different translations and say, you who practice lawlessness, you who practice wickedness, you who are operating without my authority. It's like several different translations that are there, but basically all of it's lawlessness. Not in alignment with his plan, his purpose, not doing the will of my Father in heaven, but still doing and even seeing signs and wonders. It's like, ah, oh, that's kind of scary. Therefore, verse 24, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it's founded, it was founded on the rock. That rock should be capitalized from my perspective. <laughs> now everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Mm. When our foundation is built on the heavenly, which is Jesus Christ, 
the cornerstone, the foundation, Jesus Christ, our cornerstone, our strong foundation. When it's like when we're looking up and going, there's my foundation. There's where I am grounded. There's where my footing is. It's in the heavenlies. I can be seated with him in heavenly places. And I'm looking at earth from a different perspective because my life is grounded in Jesus Christ. John 17, 14. Father, I've given you given them your word, and the word the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. It's like folks, we are in the world, but not of the world. When we're heavenly minded because we are attached, we're focused, our foundation is in Jesus Christ. We're looking at the world from a whole different perspective. Are you with me? Seems like it's getting quieter and quieter in here. We're not of this world, but he, he tells us, Occupy, occupy, occupy till I come. That we are to be the salt and light of this world. So yes, we're not of this world, but we, <laughs> we have our foundation in the heavenlies, built on Jesus Christ, our foundation. And from that, with that, as we're anchored there, we do occupy and be fruitful until he comes and are the salt and light. What does salt do? One of the things salt absolutely does is preserve. They used to rub it on meat. And, and, uh, and another thing that salt does is it, 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 it kind of helps cure. You know, I, I had a tooth pulled, and I had some real problems with that. Finally, after looking and reading, it's like I, I did the old gargle with salt. Gargle with salt water, and it's like, oh, so much better. Kind of crazy. Salt. But salt, you... Man, you, you try to eat a steak without any salt or a hamburger without any salt, and yeah, it just isn't the same. Salt savors things, make it so much easier to eat, so much more palatable. In fact, when we, when I think of truth in love, when we want somebody to, to, to be weaned from milk and be ready for meat, for the meat of the word for steak, it needs to have some salt seasoning on it. So I even, I even believe that, that, that salt represents love. Because truth without love is very rarely received. If we're not loved, we're not very easily corrected. Right? So we're to be salt and light. So the salt is something that, that, that makes the world and the things of the world palatable because we bring the salt. Right? Amen. Light, light. When you're stumbling around in the darkness, man, there is nothing that you crave more than a little bit of light. 
a little bit of light. Oh, thank you, Lord, for that moon. When I remember having many, many motorcycle, <laughs> motorcycle or snowmobile escapades that went wrong where we found ourselves marching back at the wee, wee, wee hours of the morning. Thank, oh, thank you, Lord, for that moon, for just a little bit of light. It's like stumbling around in the darkness. We need the light. There is two realms that are operating, the spirit of darkness and the spirit and the spiritual realms, darkness and light, darkness and light. We are children of the light. Um, I'm going to go to Ephesians 6.12. Ephesians 6.12. One of the things that as we're... <laughs> on this journey on earth as we are being the salt and light and some of the battles, the struggles that we have and the battles that we fight, we do not wrestle. We, <laughs> yeah, reminds me of a wrestling match that I just heard about here recently. <laughs> we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So our battle is not against flesh and blood down here. We're battling principalities. We're battling rulers of darkness, of the other kingdom. And we're called to be the light. We're called to possess and express the manifold wisdom of God. Scripture says we have access to the manifold, multifaceted wisdom of God. Um, I need my prop. I'll go get it. Gonna, nope, I won't. It's coming. When I think of some of the, we're in this world, not of this world. I get everybody to stand up just for a second. Another. Colton, yeah. when you're standing in front of me, you get even a little bit closer. It's like, I can't hardly even see anybody else. You're taller than I am. So when I walk around here down in, in the front row thinking, this is my is my journey in life. This is some of the things that I'm going through. And it's like, oh my goodness, a lot of people. A lot of people to deal with. Holy smoke, there's another wall. <laughs> Try and see what's happening back there. And the... It's like, my journey on earth here is I'm walking and I can only see a little bit about what's really going on. Sometimes we can even feel like we're in a, in, in a trench. When we're walking in a trench and, and, and you look and you see dirt. You can sit down now because I'm going to be able to see you here in a second. So when you... Uh, I'm good. If I fall off this ladder, we'll have a healing service next. So it'll all just work into it as, it as if it were planned, okay? We're good. We're good. I've been on a couple ladders. 
So seeing things from, a, from, from an earthly perspective where I can find myself in a trench and I look and all I see is like dirt, dirt, dirt. It's like, oh, down at the end of this trench. Oh, I can kind of see through that trench. There's a light at the end of the trench. Oh, it's a train. <laughs> Going through the tunnel and the light is a train. It's like we are called, or if I'll be able to do this, to another perspective. As we follow, man, this must be the tallest ladder that we have. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Let's go to First Cor oh, I have to First Corinthians. <laughs> now I can't see it at all. First Corinthians two sixteen. That's gonna have a hard time turning around to read this one behind me. <laughs> For who has known the mind of the Lord? that he may instruct him, but we, everybody said we, we, have the mind of Christ. It's like, oh, oh, oh. Next is 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you know, do you not know, that you're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anybody getting their neck a little bit? <laughs> Spirit of God dwells in you. Turn to your neighbor and say, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Okay, you turn to the other neighbor now. Spirit of God dwells in you. Even you. <laughs> Spirit of God dwells in me. Let's say that one together. Spirit of God dwells in me. I have the mind of Christ. I'm not going back down to that notebook, but I have down there in that notebook where it says, we are seated with him in heavenly places. We are seated with him in heavenly places. Now when I say we have to be able to rise above our thoughts and feelings, get ourselves out of that trench, rise above our thoughts, feelings, and emotions to true... <laughs> it's funny looking down. It's like <laughs> we have to rise above... And it's really warm up here, too. We have to rise above our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, get out of that trench that we find ourselves in, go above, 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 to see from God's perspective. 
We have the mind of Christ. We have the Spirit of God living in us. We can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives us the strength. So I say, get up out of that trench. Get up out of that trench. Climb yourself right up there to enter into his presence, to be seated with him in heavenly places. And then as we look from that perspective, it's a whole... I mean, I can see the back row. I can see you playing with your phone. I hope you're taking notes or, or, or reading and not checking your email or voicemail or Facebook. This might be a good place to preach from. It's like, mm, I see you. I see It's like rising above. Now, here's where I need to, I need to talk a little bit. I, I do have a couple more scriptures down there, but we're not going to go for that. We're, we're, we're going to go. It's like as we connect our spirit with his spirit, all we have to do, all we have to do, Fallon talked about this a couple weeks ago, maybe it was last week, is to get her head in alignment with what her spirit has been telling her. You know, it's getting our head to come into alignment because when the Holy Spirit that's living within us, we, we tap into that spirit, he, he is communicating spirit to spirit there she is. He's communicating with us spirit to spirit, but we have to bring our head into alignment because we need that renewing of our mind to come into alignment with the spirit that lives within us, which is being communicated to by the Father, by the Holy Spirit, by Jesus. We have the Spirit of God living in us, being communicated with constantly, but we need to get our ears tuned in and our head dialed in to come into alignment with that spirit that, yeah, I think that. Does this make sense to anybody? Does this make sense to everybody? Colton, don't be shaking my ladder. Don't climb up here with me either. Thank you. You're amazing. Colton could probably get up here and finish this, this message for me. What God's been doing in this young man's life is nothing short of incredible. He is amazing. He is amazing. Okay, got it. One of the things that's important that there's two places. Jesus is one who found favor with both God and man. And John the Baptist, as he was growing up, grew in stature and found favor with both God and man. And in order for us to be salt and light of the world... That's something that we need to be doing is finding favor with both God and man. And when we are producing the fruits of the Spirit that lives in us, we will be 
finding favor with both God and man because we become irresistible to anybody and everybody but those wolves in sheep's clothing. I'm going to go back again a little bit to, uh, oh, yes, here's the one that I wanted. Thank you again, Colton. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. Okay, let's try again. Yeah, I have 2 Corinthians 11, 13 through 15. That's not it, huh? Okay, then I'm just going to tell you because... Oh, yeah. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. It's like, what? What? And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if, the, if, these, if his ministers, his ministers, whose ministers, Satan's ministers, also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. It's like, oh, man. And the last scripture it says for that we need to be so acutely aware and that we need to be so discerning of spirits because even the very elect who can be in the last days will be deceived. It's like, oh my. Jesus, 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 give us discernment. I was thinking that one of the, from myself, I'm one of those, I, I, I should have been like waving, turning circles and waving both hands because it's something that I absolutely know from the time that I was really Early, early on in my, I say, a baby in Christ. I was 19 when I gave my heart to the Lord and, and then growing in Him for years and years, being transformed. Uh, also being fairly stubborn in my ways and, and, and all its... Rather than me being a good student to be taught by others particularly... I have been taught by running my head into the wall. It's like, mistake, 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 mistake. It's like, oh, come on. It's like, so hands-on training, hands-on training. God has had to teach me, Holy Spirit, have to teach me, lead me through one thing after another after another. Well, finally you passed that test. Now we got another one. Finally you passed that one. We got another one. It's like being led by Holy Spirit, but learning what discernment meant. It's like, oh, if I would have gone with my discernment because I had this gut feeling, we'll just call it a gut feeling, that, ooh, something wrong with, well, I can't even point at anybody. That would look really bad, but, ah, there's something wrong here. There is something wrong here. I feel it. There's something that's off. And then I can go back to my head and, and then watch, just kind of like listening to the teacher, watching the things go around. Go back to 
working this out in my head and think, oh, you know what? I think I must have been wrong. My feeling, that gut feeling must have been wrong because they're doing this and they're doing this and I'm seeing this and I'm seeing this. So, man, that was wrong. It's like, and every time I have done that, it's like, you were absolutely right, son, in the discerning of spirits. And when you went to your head and started going with what you saw and what made sense is where you made your mistake. It's like, that's we so need to be led by the Spirit of God, attentive to the Spirit of God. And what, what brings confirmation in our spirit, hearing accurately, that we put the blinders on. It's like, it doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't matter what I see. Uh, it's like, uh, 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 uh. Holy Spirit, what do you say? Holy Spirit, what do you say? I know what you showed me. I know what you showed me. I know what you showed me. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with that. Are you with me? Amen. So what I, as I conclude, I know that I have a gift of discernment. That's probably one of my most powerful gifts, finally taken a long time to realize, but of discernment and, and dragging me through, pushing me through, dragging me through one trial after another. It's learning that. That is the gift that I have, gift of discernment. So what I would like to do, I'm just going to ask first because I can see everybody from up here. How many people believe first in impartation? Well, it probably would have been easier to ask how many people don't. How many people would like to end up, I'm thinking, you know, like fire tunnel, everybody goes through a fire tunnel, but doing a reverse fire tunnel where anybody lines up in two, in two sides and that we will end up having some music. We're going to conclude here. And then anybody that wants that gift, it's a spiritual gift that I believe can be imparted. If you would like a greater gift of discernment or if you would like the gift of discerning between spirits, I would like you to start lining up, anybody that wants to. We're going to end up having some music. Worship team's going to come and, and start some music. And I'm just going to walk through and impart. See, when, uh, when Peter and John were at the gate of the temple and there was a crippled man there, what they said to him, he, he, he was asking for money. He was asking for something that was part of the standard of the world. He needed money. He felt like what he needed was money. And Peter said to him, Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I will give to you. And what I'm saying, if that's something that you're interested in, anybody that's interested, let's just start a line. And we're going to end up having some, some worship for a little bit. We've got almost 10 minutes left before the bell rings here. So anybody interested, I'm going to be walking through and I'm going to, going to impart that gift. What I have, I give to you. I believe. Bible. This is pretty important Bible. I think I better just bring it down. Now. 
So line up wise, the, the best way is if we can have the congregation, basically if we're making a large circle around the outside.